0: This is the Film slide Podcast.
1: Okay, we're starting. Did you want to...
0: Hey. How you, how's it going? I'm fine. <laughs> I'm glad you're fine. I'm fine too. Um, um, welcome back. This is, this is <laughs> terrible. <Hey guys. laughs> no, you, do you want to just cut it and start again? <laughs> no, fuck. <laughs> you can edit it in the thing. Um, I'm not going to Okay, either. so today we're looking at happiness. <laughs> By Todd Salant. That's going to be like the episode we never get to because you're never going to watch that movie again. Okay, we're going to look at Moonrise Kingdom, which I saw today. This is the. Megan, apparently you love this movie.
1: (laughs) This is Jeremy's podcast.
0: (laughs) Yeah, this is. I'm the film site now.
1: Oh my god, this is what happens when a theater kid transitions
0: into a film student. Stop calling me a theater kid. I haven't done theater for years um anyway I'm sorry okay I'm gonna start (laughs) this is the film slot podcast
1: welcome back this is the film slot podcast and I'm Megan and today yeah we're gonna talk about (laughs) Moonrise Kingdom today and hey
0: my name's Jeremy (laughs) (laughs) I'm the host of this podcast I'm kidding
1: um do you want to introduce yourself a
0: little bit yes my name is Jeremy I am doing a master's of screenwriting I will be done in a month um sorry sorry if I sound like a wanker to anyone listening but that's just what I do I wasn't posting um and I watched Moonrise Kingdom today (laughs) apparently Megan loves this
1: I love Moonrise Kingdom wait you're supposed to say like a fun fact about yourself
0: a fun fact about me um that isn't about from yeah apart from my degree (laughs) apart from your degree um I grew up an evangelical Christian for twenty one years of my life. There's something. That's fun.
1: Do you recommend?
0: Uh yeah,
1: actually, um
0: <laughs> a good place to good place to form your morals and to become a person. Oh my gosh. I think so actually. Like like even, even with the shit parts, it's like there's good parts.
1: Yeah, I grew up an atheist.
0: <laughs> that means your turn to Jesus moment is coming in like ten years or something like that.
1: Like maybe when I smell burnt toast, then I'll be like, yes. But then, for now, no.
0: Like that Glee episode where you like see like a Jesus made out of grilled cheese <laughs> on your toast. I forgot about that. I don't know why I suddenly thought about that.
1: Anyways, we're gonna talk about Moonrise Kingdom.
0: <laughs> yes, it's
1: directed by Wes Anderson, came out in 2012. It was. Do I have to say it's an hour and thirty-four minutes? <laughs>
0: Runtime, an hour and 34 minutes, Runtime, yeah. produced by Scott Rudlin, Rudin, <laughs> Stephen Rails, Jeremy Dawson, Wes Anderson.
1: Do you know what camera was shot on?
0: Um, I think it was shot on film. Like, I haven't looked it up. Wow, that's a first. I- actually, I'll look it up now. I think it was, <laughs> no, I actually didn't look it up. Congrats. MTV Moonrise Kingdom. It wasn't shot on Ari Alexa because it was probably too early for that. I bet it was an re by the
1: way just so you guys know i have no idea what any of this means but jeremy's always like look at what camera it's shot on and i'm just like why i have no interest
0: it's it's interesting it
1: could be shot on an iphone and i wouldn't care actually no i mean like there are good films that are shot on iPhone. yeah true
0: it was shot on oh interesting Shot on a camera I haven't heard of. It's on a minima. Um, but I think it's a it's a film camera. It was shot on thirty-five millimeter film. Um thank you for hearing my technical specs.
1: Everyone has just logged off and like closed Spotify. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's basically it's in an it's set in an island that literally feels like it's not on Earth. And it's about two kids who run away from home.
0: And the both the camp instructor of the boy and the parents of the girl and the police officer who the girl's mum is having an affair with all go looking for the kids and it's revealed how broken and fractured their lives are through chasing these idyllic kids
1: oh my gosh and they wear costumes
0: <laughs> they wear costumes um there's
1: costumes involved there's baby lucas hedges
0: um, yeah. Who? Um. I I said before that he looks more like a like a like a kid now than he did back then.
1: But he's such a baby, and he was like a ringer. He's still a ringer. No, he's not. He's he has like dirty blonde hair now.
0: Okay. Sure. <laughs> but yeah. Um.
1: But yeah, that was the yeah. plot.
0: And so the boy and girl met in this musical that they did at the church called Noah's Flood. Mm -hmm. And then there's a flood later in it. What I found really interesting is the fact that like a lot of movies that I tend to watch are about loss of innocence. And this is a movie in which innocence is never lost. It's sort of like it doesn't necessarily take place in a real like naturalistic world. Because it kind of takes place in like a world with like kid rules. So it's like they built a treehouse really high up for no reason. Yeah, and exactly,
1: like- exactly. And like I feel like that's what most West, an- like Wes Anderson movies are, and that's why I think I love them like so much. Um, everything just it was just fun. I would say
0: it was very fun.
1: It's always an easy watch, and people make fun of like like people always make fun of how it's, quote unquote, like pretentious. But I don't really think that at all about Wes Anderson.
0: What I kind of realize is his style is very particular and it's really easy to parody. But the thing is that do- that doesn't mean that he's not really good at it because he's really good at his style. It's like true people can try and copy him, but like no one does Wes Anderson like Wes Anderson, which sounds like obvious, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's a really, especially like, by the time he got to Moonrise Kingdom it's like his style was so defined and it's so like exactly just like unique and I think I liked this one better than I liked Hour of Dogs because I felt like it did resonate like more with like my life than Hour of Dogs
1: true it's like really nostalgic for some reason it's that thing with like you know like being a child and not you know having a great time at home with your parents and you kind of just hate them and you feel like an outsider from
0: your family it's like a nostalgia for like an experience most of us have not had it's like Wes Anderson himself said that he didn't have this experience he said that's true "Uh, I remember this feeling from when I was that age and when from I was in fifth grade but nothing really happened I just experienced a period (laughs) of dreaming about what might happen when I was that age
1: I mean maybe Roman Coppola felt like that when in that age because he co-wrote it with Wes Anderson I just love this so much but it's also the fact that I think I, like the best part about this movie is how like the kids act more like adults compared to the actual adults.
0: I actually really love that all the adult so- subplots, like especially Bill Murray just being like, "I wish that this um this roof would blow off and I just <laughs> I'd just be taken off into the storm and you'd be better off without me."
1: This is the second time that his wife cheats on him in a Wes Anderson movie.
0: What's the previous one? I think.
1: It was when Gwyneth Pouch, Palt- like Gwyneth Pouchel cheated on him.
0: Tenenbaums. In Royal Tenenbaums, yeah. Which I haven't seen for a long time. Oh, so, like, I ask realize. me to comment on any Wes Anderson movies other than this one and maybe Isle of Dogs, <laughs> and I won't remember very much about them. I was thinking while I was watching, it was like the, the adults are kind of reflecting this really sad sort of virg- like, this really sad reflection of what the kids have, because the kids are experiencing first love. And they're sort of experiencing all this stuff for themselves. And meanwhile, the adults have sort of like boxed off love into like they've boxed it off with that whole adult world. They're like Francis McDormand and Bill Murray are in a terrible marriage, and then Francis McDormand is sleeping with the police officer, um Bruce. Willis. I don't know
1: if I don't know if they're sleeping together or if just or if the yeah, both they're of them like, are just like emotionally emotional Yeah, if they're just emotionally cheating.
0: But they're having some sort of affair and it's like really It is it's, still an affair, yeah. It's sad because it's like because of the way that adult life has conditioned them and they've put these rules around themselves they can't be as free as the children are and it's sort of like I thought that maybe the the movie would end up with that sort of innocence of the children being popped and with like the adult world encroaching on them like so many films like uh (laughs) A les enfants," which I saw recently
1: (laughs) which I recommended (laughs) which was amazing
0: actually that's true because that's a film briefly this is it's a film where like the most of the film's about like the innocence of these two kids at boarding school but it takes place in world war ii so obviously it can't end well and the last 20 minutes is tragic
1: yeah but there's so many movies about like i mean a child's innocence being lost so i feel like you can't really say that's the only exception i mean yeah it's an example but like i can think of like a hundred like to kill a mockingbird is also about that and like
0: it's a really like archetypical story so, yeah like, i think this is not archetypical in that no. the innocence isn't lost and it's sort of like oh i guess that's a really interesting choice but it's like it's like wes anderson almost didn't lose his innocence my gosh that's so wes anderson true himself is probably like a magical man child he is a man child like have you seen all of dogs where it's like it's like it all takes place in this world with kid logic yeah
1: But there's still, like, ugly stuff happening. Like, the dog dies, people get stabbed.
0: Yeah, that was actually – that was so confronting – the most confronting thing was actually the earrings made out of fish hooks and bugs. Oh
1: my god, that I was disgusting! That. And like he literally, literally just like put a hole in her like ears, and then it was bleeding.
0: And then for the for the next like five minutes, all I was thinking about was just how like, disgusting. How is she gonna get them out? And then like Frances McDormand said that.
1: Yeah, but then she like it was so painful to get one in, and then she was like, "Do the other one," which just like it shows how much of a bad bitch she is like Susie was like she loved those so much that she was like do the other I was
0: gonna say shows that she has a masochistic side (laughs) because of the trauma that has been done to her but yeah sure
1: what would you how would you feel if you found a book that your mum was reading, that was, like, how to deal with troubled kids.
0: I mean, like, that's never happened to me, but I know that feeling of, like, sort of people being, like, that kid, like, they're not turning out normal. It's, like, they need to be more normal. I know, which sucks. Stop licking white out. I never licked white out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But I really like Susie. I think Susie and Sam, like, together, it's, it's just, like, amazing. And you can just see how like happy they are just to be in each other's company.
0: I think Susie is a great character. I actually feel like Sam is less of a great character in that he's kind of a sci-fi. But you
1: love him anyways. He's an orphan and he when he writes to Susie, he's like, oh, you should think about your family because they probably love you. And like they show him in the orphanage and he literally doesn't have a family and you're just like, oh. But then Susie does have a family, but she feels just as much as an orphan as Sam does.
0: Susie felt like a more realized character to me, though. To, in, in my view of it, it's like, maybe it was just the performance, but it's like the performance of the, the girl who played Susie felt a lot more, like, real and, like, couched in pain. And, like, you could really feel like she was a troubled kid. Like, she's, like, you can believe that she would have these mm-hmm. angry outbursts. Because I feel like the kid who played Sam seemed a, a bit more like he was sort of just acting cool. But it's it sort of felt like an impression of like a troubled teen as opposed to an actual troubled teen. Like that's what I felt. Right. Because I judge child performances apparently now.
1: That's so sad. I never do that. I'm like, yay, children. I like hate children in real life, but then when they're on like when they're on screen, I'm like, oh my god, children.
0: All the kids actually gave great performances.
1: Like, Susie and Sam, they were in Patterson, like, with Adam Driver.
0: Wait, both of the kids?
1: Yeah, they were, they had a cameo and they, both of them were talking on the bus when Patterson was driving the bus.
0: Right. And they
1: were talking about life or something like that.
0: As a reference to this movie?
1: Yeah, I mean, it has to be because it's the both of them. Wow. And it's, yeah, it's such an, it's such an Easter egg. Like, Jim John, Wish clearly loves Wes Anderson.
0: You, I think that you love this movie more than I do.
1: <sighs> I don't know. I, it's, it's like, I don't even know why I love of it, but it just it just makes me feel so happy, and I've never been camping. But when I did actually go last year, it was like disgusting, and it was not like Moonrise Kingdom. You
0: know, I don't mind camping because I was actually a scout. Now I think about it, it's oh like, my gosh, I was a scout. I was a patrol leader. I wasn't very good at any of these like outdoor things. So. Yeah,
1: I hate it, but I love like how the movie opens and. He's like, oh, check the demo or something. And he pours the water down, like...
0: Oh, yeah, that was beautiful. The bamboo
1: shoot. That was so fun. And then the kid was cooking everybody breakfast... (laughs) It's just so funny, and the dog's name is Snoopy, which I feel like I was like about to sob.
0: I feel like the dog unjustly dies. Why does the dog die? I feel like that was a bit unnecessary.
1: I feel like the dog had to die because it shows you that not everything in this is like a fairy tale.
0: But the kids killed the dog.
1: But also, like they go on terribly dangerous. Like they had to hike up mountains, and it was really steep. And I was like, one of them is gonna die. And then when somebody gets stabbed, then you feel like, yeah, they actually would... I was thinking, like, they actually would maybe die Mm. together just so they could escape their parents. Like, such a Romeo and Juliet thing.
0: It's this beautiful fantasy world, but, like, there is, like, a dark undercurrent, which is, like...
1: The parents and, like the real issues that they can't be together the
0: parents but also the violence yeah it's like what Wes Anderson does really well is he creates alternate worlds that don't feel like our own and he likes sort of like the way he presents them in this really in this idolized fashion through the cinematography through the editing that he's sort of like your if real life was like that it'd be very whimsical
1: yeah totally
0: but the thing is if it was in real life and you had to camp like you'd hate it
1: (laughs) Yeah, I would fucking hate it. I would be the one who escaped through a hole in the tent. I feel like, do you think that was like a reference to Shawshank Redemption? I wasn't
0: thinking that. And he but... puts the
1: map up from the inside and he carves a <laughs> hole and like the, and, and Edward Norton is like the zip is pulled in from the inside and then he lifts up the map and it's like a hole underneath Maybe. and it's like the biggest escape ever.
0: It's been a long time since I've seen that movie.
1: Which they have been planning this escape for ages.
0: Yeah that's actually true like it's kind of like it starts as a prison break movie it becomes (laughs) an adventure movie and then it becomes about another prison break movie because they're trying to escape (laughs) and then it's
1: like kind of a love story underneath
0: but it's like a very like the love between them like it's definitely not like adult love because it's like they Mm. kiss once it's like a kid's vision of what romance is
1: yeah definitely it's like awkward but it's kind of sweet i guess because like both of them well, like, yeah.
0: Oh, I was gonna say people think Wes Anderson's pretentious because of how, like, like, awkward, like, how, how, like, kind of his style is awkward, and his style was kind of, like, it can be, like, over-the-top awkward.
1: I don't know if it's about being awkward. I thought it was just, like, because he writes, he puts details in his scripts about how, like, oh, like, she wears, like, a pink hat with, like, frills, and it's just, like, a ton of things that don't need to be there but he wants it to be there
0: mm. it's like he pays a lot of attention to detail yeah he does he also like likes putting a lot of awkward pauses like characters who don't know how to talk to each other in normal ways
1: exactly i think
0: that's actually a mainstay of his films like even like sam being like "Oh, i don't know how to talk to people
1: true i think it's just about like making unique characters and like building this world that he's so good at doing
0: I would say, though, he has tropes. He has tropes that he reuses, though. I think, like, the, the awkward main character who doesn't know how to, how to talk to people is a trope that he reuses.
1: I feel like all directors reuse tropes. Come on. Christopher Nolan's trope is just being the most fucking boring movie you've ever seen in your life. That's the entire I'm not trope. gonna.
0: I'm not going to defend Chris Nolan. I don't really care for Chris Nolan. But I'd say, like, I do understand the criticism. I think people people criticize him for being wanky but I don't mind the fact that he reuses them as long as the story that he's telling each time is unique and new and maybe that's why with Isle of Dogs I sort of was like doesn't feel like as in-depth as his previous work has.
1: I think Isle of Dogs he has this obsession with also like making a movie about the setting like you know how like Darjeeling Mm. Limited was in India and then Isle of Dogs is going to be in Japan and makes it he's Like obsessed with putting them in different countries
0: the setting of moonrise kingdom is beautiful
1: i wouldn't say it's like the main part like you know how japan was so it's like you know how people are like oh i would say the place is another character Mm.
0: it's a pretty like bizarro version of japan it's like not a real japan
1: no it's i can't remember what they called it megasaki the uni prefecture of megasaki that's where it is right Anyways, what was your favorite scene in Moonrise Kingdom?
0: Oh, I think it would have to be a, a tie between... It would have to be a tie between the, the Noah's Ark, the flood, the, the musical part, where, like, the girl is the raven, and, like, he, it's this beautiful, like, set design thing like that. And maybe that quiet moment between Bill Murray and Frances McDormand, where Bill Murray says that he wants to just be blown away. That was really understated and played really nicely. And, like, added, like, a really dark, sad element to this, like, otherwise fantastical story. Yeah. How about you?
1: One of my favorite scenes was that raven scene where he was like, what bird are you? And the girl was like, she's a raven. She's a sparrow. And then he was like, no, 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 shut the fuck up. Like, what bird are you? And then she's like, I'm a raven. I was like, period, sis. My heart was, like, thumping. Because I didn't expect him to be so confident.
0: It's kind of like Buddy Holly, now I think about it. Like, I feel like he's like, sty- like the way he looks, like, there's glasses, the way his hair's done, it's like styled off Buddy Holly. If you look up a picture, it's like that's, that's so specific. It's a style.
1: Oh, and I think, um, that scene of them dancing is definitely like a highlight.
0: Yeah, actually, no, I'd I'd seen that picture of that scene of them, before I yeah, actually, before I saw the movie. Oh,
1: everybody puts those in those like film compilations. I've seen it a hundred times.
0: Or like say even at the beginning, that that long shot of um the camp counselor walking yeah. through the camp and telling people off, and the way they did that, or the the opening sequence inside um Susie's house, um where it was like all Ooh. these like super wide shots and it was like panning.
1: Yeah, and I definitely love the confrontation scene when the scouts finally find Shakovsky and Susie and Lucas Hedges is on, like, the motorcycle and all of them just, like, surround them in the woods.
0: Oh, that was wild. And
1: the And the exchange <laughs> that they have is, like, it's so dramatic and you're, like, how are kids saying these dialogues? Because, like, kids would not say stuff like that. And it was just so dramatic. He was, like, do not cross this stick
0: oh yeah and
1: then like the battle goes down you, they, you don't even you don't even see the stabbing but you know that something happened
0: oh it's like it has and the, the blood and it like, has that moment when the arrow flies through the air the arrow, it yeah it cuts to like it cuts to like the field and like the other boys and they're are, running, like, running away and yeah. you can hear like um someone who you know later to be lucas hedges going like like screaming like exactly. really far away
1: but uh, yeah what did you think about the soundtrack
0: it was like full of classical stuff, and then like there was that one really old sixties folk song,
1: yeah I think that it's like that tune that always it's play it plays like five times in the movie and it sounds like raindrops mm. that is yeah. like I listen to that so much it's so good
0: I actually really liked um that opening the opening symphony, like the opening sequence when she he is listening to, or she's listening to the album where um there's like a voice of a child just talking about the different parts of the symphony like yeah that was, like, that was so amazing fun.
1: and the credits did you hear the music in the credits mm-hmm. it's yeah. like they talk about like oh this is by alexander Despla, and then they talk about like here's the what here are bass. the different parts playing and the then theme. it was like yeah i love that so much
0: pizzicato cello
1: <laughs> exactly the piccolo oh so good her record player was so cool It's, like, this tiny one that she carries around. And I can't believe she brought her cat.
0: Yeah, she did bring her cat, didn't she? I liked um, I did like the soundtrack. I think... I think maybe I didn't like it as much as you did. As in, like, it's sort of... I didn't, like, notice it immediately. It's not my favourite soundtrack. Other than in that first scene. Of West End. I was in that first scene. Like, that first scene was great. And I don't think Alexander Desplat even um composed that one.
1: Nope. He just did the instrumental stuff. And, like, yeah, the class, some of the classical music.
0: I don't know whether I will remember this film very much in that like remember, you said that you loved Marriage Story right after you saw it but then like half a year later you're like mm, what happened in that movie
1: yeah I only remember the fight scene and the iconic Laura Dern sequence and I don't remember anything else so. the thing is
0: like Marriage Story definitely stuck with me in that like I remember a lot of it but I also read the screenplay afterwards so it's like well only time tell right. how, how much this movie sticks with me Because, like, when you saw Moonrise Kingdom the first time, afterwards, did you forget all the stuff that happened?
1: Yes. I think there's, okay, there's, like, a part that I actually tuned out both watches. And it's when they get married. And it's, like, after that, the flood comes. And I always tune out right before everybody comes together and meets at the church. It's, like, I, I don't know why, but I always just black out when that happens. After they get married? After they get married. And it's, like, the slow motion scene of them walking out
0: oh that was a great show. that was like that was a, a wonderful shot. scene
1: i know w- i always wonderful I scene. don't remember what happened between then and all of the meeting back at the church
0: edward norton shows up to the big campsite and the big leader's like give me oh, your yeah, badge it's that's like right. you're, you're you don't even have a patrol and then like he goes into the tent and then like the flood happens and the, and the flood, fire like, makes it
1: And the lightning.
0: And then the the pole (laughs) falls down the tent and sets off fireworks everywhere. And then Edward Norton has to save him. And he
1: jumps across. In like
0: this big, like, obviously green screened moment. Such a (laughs) saviour.
1: I really like Like, that guy. I can't remember what he was. He's that guy who talks about the weather. He is the one who explains, like, the geology and the...
0: He looks like a gnome. And he's, like, wearing a little, like, (laughs) funny hat. he speaks. to, He's the only character who both speaks to the camera, camera. but also speaks to the characters, and he sort he's of so
1: cute. I think the cast was great.
0: I think that the adult cast like have no complaints. Like wonderful. Tilda Swinton amazing. did Tilda Swinton. With, like that tiny oh role gosh. as a person whose name is Social Services.
1: <laughs> Tilda Swinton can play a tree, and it would be amazing. I can't believe Tilda Swinton and Frances McDormand was in one movie.
0: She's absolutely wonderful. That was amazing. I do say um, that kid, Sam kid, could have improved, but also he was 12, so I don't judge him for it. No, I think he was great. I think it could have been a more nuanced performance, Susie's performance. You could see that the angst was coming from a place of pain.
1: Yeah, I don't really have an issue. That stuff doesn't bother me. I think when a kid's performance stands out, I'm like, wow, that was great. But then when it doesn't, I really just don't say anything.
0: Noah Jupe and Honey Boy, um, I think, like, that was an incredible kid performance.
1: I think fucking Jacob Tremblay in Room was, like, one of the greatest kid performances ever.
0: I haven't actually seen that one.
1: He was, he's so great in that.
0: The kid from Marriage Story who just plays, like, a giant dick the whole movie.
1: He he has, like, the emotional capacity of a rock. He literally does not care that his parents are getting divorced.
0: He's five. <laughs> it's
1: <a> fucking stutterer. <laughs> <laughs> he's,
0: Oh, you wanted me to rate it, right?
1: Yeah, oh yeah, we should. Okay, rate
0: this it. see this stuff will eventually end up in my letterbox, which no one reads at the moment. Please follow me. <laughs> anyway, um I think I would give it a either four. You rated it at five, right? This film was perfection. I don't make the rules.
1: Did you just memor? do you re- memorize my reviews? No,
0: I just looked it up.
1: <laughs> yeah, anyways, I rated it a five out of five because But it's just like kind of those things where sometimes you just need some serotonin in your body and you're just like, yes, I'm going to watch Moonrise Kingdom and give it a five and then forget about it. But it is really good. I would recommend Moonrise Kingdom. If you feel like shit, watch Moonrise Kingdom. To wrap things up, what have you been watching this month?
0: Recently, I've I've watched like the first three episodes of Love. It's frustrating because it's, it's by Judd Apatow and it has all these really annoying trappings of Judd Apatow things and that characters are mean to each other for no reason and they pass that off as comedy but the thing is Paul Rust and Gillian Jacobs have a great chemistry and they play such really interesting characters so like if you can get over that kind of cynical snarky style it's like it's actually kind of good and then I watched um what was it? Aroval uh, Alphonse. Alphonse. Oh, and other stuff by Louis Males, which is going off movie soon. And my dinner with Andre.
1: Anyways, thank you for being on this podcast.
0: Thank you, Megan, for having me on this podcast. You're so welcome. It was an illuminating experience.
1: (laughs) Anyways, thanks for listening.
0: Thanks for listening.
1: This is the Film Slug Podcast.